Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello listeners, we've no Jimmy or George today, both of them are away, however I'm joined by Adam Brown and Ollie Dawes from Deepdale Digest. We've got a lot to cover, obviously the Mansfield game, the Reading game, we've got a few listener questions and a few different talking points and we'll finish by looking ahead to Tuesday night against Huddersfield and of course Saturday's return to Deepdale against newly promoted side Peterborough. Hope you enjoy this episode more than the football that's been served up recently, so yeah, here we go. Fellas, thanks for joining me. How are you both? Good, thanks, mate. Good to yeah, be back. Good. It's not too bad. Yeah, it's been a while since you've both been on, I think, isn't it? Yeah, unfortunately, every time you get me on, we've lost. So it'd be nice <laughs> to have a bit of a positive one once, Jake. <laughs> when we when we win next, Adam, message me and I'll get you on. <laughs> yeah, all right, mate. Cheers. Because I'll probably forget. If we, if we win, I'll probably be pissed. Yeah, yeah. When will we win? Well, yeah. We might we might answer that later on in this episode, but yeah, Ollie, are you well, mate? Uh, yeah, sure. I mean, I, I felt like in, in lockdown, I sort of got to the point of not letting North End ruin my weekends anymore, and now it feels like it's back. <laughs> just yeah, it's just not great at the minute. But before we, Jim kills me if I don't mention it. But yeah, if you're listening on our Apple device, if you could leave us a review on there, that'd be uh, greatly appreciated as well. Um, boys, let's start with Mansfield. From my point of view, anyway, um, obviously it was great for me to get the opportunity to cover my first game while George was away, um, doing the post-match interviews and post-game coverage and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, I think the first forty-five minutes weren't weren't great, to be honest. Scott Sinclair has a half chance that keeper saves. I just looked like he couldn't get the ball out from under his feet really and get get a clean shot away, and Obviously, Scott doesn't miss too many one-on-ones and put us put us one nil up pretty much on the stroke at half time. I wasn't there, so I've only seen the highlights. But I don't know whether did the Maguire Sinclair partnership did it did it work for you or no? No, I, I really like Sean Maguire. I'm a big fan, but obviously he got the assist for the first goal. But I just felt that he he, he had little impact on the game. Um, he looked like he was going down a bit too easily and. Obviously, Mansfield, League Two side, you could tell at times, you know, a little bit scrappy, a couple of strong 50-50s and weren't ready for that. And, and we're looking to the referee for, for a decision when in the championship they might have got it, but not not when you're, you know, playing an op- opponent like that. Yeah, I think um, I think when Reese came on, that obviously had a bit of an impact on it. And I was buzzing for Reese really, because... It was a good finish in the end. Um, after Scott missed another one on one, I think he could have had four, couldn't he? Uh, the other yeah. night, um, I was buzzing for Reese, and yeah, and I think the other positives really were that Thomas got a game, and um, Rodwell Grant came on, 
who what I've seen from the highlights and what I've seen from him so far looks a real a real prospect. The fact that he took on that shot, you know, I, I thought, yeah, why not? You know, and all the players were clapping him and thought, didn't go for the safe option, went for a shot. So, yeah, it was a routine win and a few positives out of it, given that we got a few of the um, yeah reserve lads on the pitch. Well, take every take every positive we can get at the minute. Yeah, I'm surprised they didn't put more of the, the young lads on the bench, really. But I suppose after the first day, probably thought, well, we need to get a win here because the first yeah. day was so bad. He obviously didn't want to take too much of a risk. Yeah, I think <laughs> losing to a League Two side after the opening day would have just been pandemonium. I, I thought he might have thrown uh, Lewis Lee into the squad, but then I was wondering maybe they were holding him out until they got that contract finalised. But I don't think he wasn't in the squad yesterday, was he? So I know he's been isolating, hasn't he? So I don't, I, I don't know if he was isolating for the Mansfield game, and then he's come out of isolation. Yeah. Obviously signed his contract, and then probably just wasn't wasn't anywhere near being match ready for for the Reading game. But yeah, uh, to be honest, boys, obviously second half, like you said, Adam, when he was when he was on, he looked like he was just full of confidence and. Good to see from a striker that he, he took that sort of second or two to take a touch, create a bit of space for himself before obviously lashing it into the top corner and and he didn't just rush it. Um, I think maybe and the Emil of last season that we saw might have just snapped at that chance and you know that could have done his confidence the opposite of the world of good <laughs> had he done that. There were a few instances of that last season. I always think of. I think it was Wickham at home where I think they brought it back to two yeah. and he got in down the right, didn't he? And just like absolutely sliced <laughs> one into the town. And Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they keep going on about it's... him being a confidence player, but I don't think taking him off after 45 minutes and then, <laughs> and then like, you know, again, yesterday, I don't think that was anything for his confidence. Um, so yeah, considering he's got two goals already for the minutes that he's played, then, Fair play to him, really. Yeah, Emil was the he was the post match interview um, for the press, like the local press, and you could just tell he was like he was dead happy. Just seemed like just full of confidence and just delighted with the way that his football has been going. Obviously, the start of this season. Um, so long may it continue. I, you know, I really like him. I think we all saw what what he what he can do when he first joined. So hopefully, he finds that form again. Yeah, definitely. I don't think it helps when Evans is playing because Evans is such a focal point for us that the ball always goes to Evans. And I think that's probably why yeah. it was working when Evans was playing up front. Well, working. It, it, when we were playing up front, well, we're playing one up front or, you know, playing the three up front. I think the focal point is Evans. And I think naturally the ball just goes to him. And then Reese is kind of picking up scraps, really. Um, so, yeah, I think it probably helps him without, without Evans playing. Yeah, no, I agree. And yeah, du- during pre-season, I noticed a, f- a few times that it was like a long ball just pumped into a channel for him to chase. And if he if he didn't win one early doors, his head seemed to drop. So I think getting the ball into his feet and playing a bit more directly into him will benefit him. It's weird because he got criticised for that, for the ball into his feet. But I remember his first few games, he was great. He could take the ball in, he'd be taking players on. And then suddenly this thing came that he can't take it into his feet, which I thought was a bit odd because I remember the, the Huddersfield game in particular. He was great that day. So, yeah, it's definitely just confidence with him and hopefully, you know, he's got two already. Hopefully he can uh, 
get moving. That that Huddersfield game with the ball at his feet, he was so good because he was coming quite deep and sort of linking play and there was hitting crossfield balls. And I think, if if I can remember right, I think he completed something like seven successful dribbles in that game because he was just going past defenders at will. And I felt we haven't haven't seen the same sort of level from him in that regard. But I know what you mean. I feel like sometimes it bobbles off him or there's a heavy touch here and there and then it becomes this narrative that he can't play ball to his feet. But I'd much rather that than try and launch it up to him against big centre-halves because I don't think he's quite... He might end up being that player one day, but I don't think he is yet. I don't think he's quite physically ready for that battle in the Championship. Got to remember as well, he's still only young, isn't he? He's 23, so got a lot to learn at this level. And I remember when he signed, looking at some of his highlights from when he was playing in Denmark with uh, Randers. Obviously, they, they played him in a two. Again, it was that, like you say, Ollie, the way that we played into him against Huddersfield, it was that similar sort of style of play. Yeah. And that obviously was what got the best out of him in Denmark. So, fingers crossed it can continue. Um, and I think <laughs> it's at this point in the podcast that that's where all the positives end. Oh, no, one last positive before we get into the Reading game. I thought the red kit looked really nice. That was going to be my one positive from this weekend. <laughs> it's going to be mine as well. Because <laughs> the red kit looked class, that was about it. Yeah, aside from that, I mean, the opening goal, it's poor from story. I mean, I've only seen the highlights and obviously I listened to the game yesterday, so I will caveat that what we're about to discuss, um, we probably can't go into as much detail as usual with obviously not being at the game, but it's probably virgin on reckless, isn't it? The way that he's sort of been caught so far up the pitch and so far out of that defensive unit to then lose the ball and the ball in is to to cut Andrew Hughes a bit of slack I think it, it almost gets caught under his feet um, and he, I mean ultimately he doesn't deal with it well enough and, and it's too easy for Aziz just to poke it home to be honest Yeah I mean you can cut I think with Hughes he's, he doesn't react quick enough though does he so you know it, it is a bit unlucky that he touches it but you know, Aziz reacted in time and managed to poke it in. So the argument could be or well, could Hughes, but yeah, it was just a bit of a just really sluggish and yeah. slow to the ball. And I think that's probably a bit of a theme across across the board, really. Um, yeah, it wasn't great. It wasn't a great goal. I, I thought the story would really kick on this season because I thought he had a pretty good end to last season, but seems to have taken another step back. And feels like we keep saying this with him now because he's been here three years. And I really thought this would be the one because he's. I think he's out of contract next summer. Yeah, he's one of the like twelve or so that are out of contract, yeah. isn't he? One one of those where the club's going to have to make a decision, and you see a few good games from him, and you're like, "This is it now." Take the next step of being consistently solid, and especially because I think on the right side of a back three, I think he's possibly better than playing as a two, like in a back four. But yeah, just the mistakes still creeping in a little bit and it's going to be a tough decision I don't know which way they're going to go I think you you could say that probably a bit like Emil Reese he looks like maybe he's a bit of a confidence player mm. I think you've got a problem with a centre back when you're not comfortable with them playing a two yeah <laughs> it's probably it's probably time where you think well yeah we need to cut our losses because you'd argue it's the same with most of them um, I think Bauer Bauer's alright I think Lindsay, I mean, we signed him as a left-footed um, centre-back. 
and he doesn't even play there properly. He just plays in the middle. So we may as well have just signed a right-footed one for, yeah. for that because he's not quick enough. But yeah, story. I, I do feel for him though. I think he's, I he's not had the uh, the easiest of rides, has he? While he's been here, no. Then I think a lot of expectation comes from you know when you lose Ben Davis and we had you know a pretty good defence and then um, and then it's all on him really. And I think he's I don't think he's dealt with it particularly well. No, I think that just goes to show though just how much Ben Davis was carrying that back four or back five, however you want to look at it. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a is a it's pretty damning in itself to be fair to be saying that, isn't it? And it's really annoying when you know he's going out on loan to a championship club as well. Yeah. <laughs> Real gutner. And and Liverpool are getting about as much in terms of a loan fee as we got for selling him. <laughs> Makes yeah. it feel even worse because I think I read they're getting a million quid loan fee. Jesus. Yeah. Well, that's what we'll do now until they until they finally get rid of him. We'll just make yeah. a few million every year out of him. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I mean, like, like, obviously none of us were at the game, so I've I've looked at the Reading highlights. Um, there was the the Lucas Zhao chance again. Story caught napping. Zhao just nips in front of him, um, and and he's un- to be fair, he's unlucky to hit the post. Probably, probably at that point, you're thinking if you're in the ground, that's two nil. But obviously, crashes off the post and. We get away with one, but again, like Lindsay's mobility is lacking. You know, he look. I said it last week. I think he looks like a geriatric. <laughs> I do, I do think Adam made the good point though, because when they sort of talked about Lindsay signing permanently, it was all like, well, it's because he had balance as a left footer, but because you don't trust him to play on the left side of a back three, it makes absolutely no difference. No, left footed rather than right footed. The whole point would be that he had balance to the back three because he can play out on the left side but he doesn't mm. so I always felt that when they were signing Lindsay it had to be him and then another left footed centre back to then actually replace David but they seemingly think that it's going to be Hughes, Hughes. left side yeah. of centre back I suppose Earl or Cunningham could play there but it just all seems very muddled that this is the re- the replacement for Davis who was one of the top defenders in the league the idea to replace him is Hughes, who's predominantly played left back all his career. Same with Cunningham, same with Earl, or stick Lindsay out there who isn't quick enough. Yeah, I have no idea what they're doing. I'm sure we'll we'll say it numerous times through this episode, but it, it's just the cheap option again, isn't it? You know, they've looked at what have we got in the squad, right? Hughes, he can do a job there. We'll stick with that. I think it'll probably be. I'd like it'd probably be Sep Bauer. And then Hughes, maybe, I think. Because they got a little bit of a criticism for Bauer not starting yesterday, I saw on Twitter, but you've got to be careful with him. Yeah. Like, you can't Let's just not forget. Him. And I think he probably will He probably will be the one that goes there. Um, and then because Lindsay can't play on the left, it's probably going to be Hughes. And then ultimately, Sep, probably right, because all of a sudden he's going to come in, isn't he? Yeah. Imagine. So I think that's probably how it'll look as we go on. Yeah, absolutely. But... I think the, the the worrying thing for me from these opening games that I've seen is like Liam Lindsay's just completely lacking in any sort of mobility. It's not even the fact that he's quick enough. It just Did you see the one over the top, Jake. The one over yeah. the top early on. He was all over the place. Like, I think it was a chance that Set blocked. I think. On yeah. The line. 
pretty much on the line. And, and, and Zhao's on his shoulder, isn't he? And he just, he, like you say, that ball over the top, and he just gets away from him so easy. So oh, easy. Yeah. But yeah. it's, yeah, it's it's a worry. And then obviously there's the penalty. Um, I think it's, it's, it's the right decision, isn't it? It's a clear handball. Do you think the booking was a right decision, though? I did wonder when I saw the highlights. I thought it could have maybe seen a red, but I don't know. It was going over, wasn't it? Say again. What was it? Was it going over? Hard to tell. I think it might have been going over. Yeah. But I don't think you can look at the player's body shape and say that the fact that he had his hand up, it was a deliberate handball, if that makes sense which is why I think he's probably got away with, with a yellow card and, and not a red. But listening to the commentary yesterday, the way they were talking about it made it sound, to me at least anyway, like it should have been a straight red. But having seen it, I, I think I think a booking's probably just about the right decision. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think it's one of them that I, I'm not going to be too bothered about it or make an excuse or anything because they, they had a few opportunities there's the one that's set blocked in the first half as well yeah but on another day that goes in so i just felt they, they carved out a few openings with sort of quite quick passing and interchange like you look at the the winning goal in the end and they get done by i think is it a couple of one twos sort of around with the Zhao and swift isn't it yeah it's like like the defenders were training cones like they're just <laughs> just getting played around but again comes back to a lack of mobility doesn't it yeah, you know, I think I, I think I've even been guilty of saying this in the past that Story's a bit mobile and he's got a bit of something about him. But looking at that yesterday, I don't, he doesn't. And I like him. I want him to do well. He's an, he's another player a bit like Emil that I want to do well because I think we've all in the past seen what he can do. But it's getting harder and harder to carry on thinking like that the longer this season goes, and we're only two league games and a cup game in. Yeah, it's too, it's too many errors and it's just happening again and again and again. And yeah, like I said before, I think it's probably the time where you can't be offering him a new contract, I don't think, anyway. Well, they probably will because we'll be, we'll be desperate. I think you know? I think you can make an argument for offering him, and offering him a contract because I, I think in that squad at the minute, he's probably the only player that you'd have a chance of getting some money back for should he hit a bit of form because he's still young. He's like what twenty three, is he? I know it's I know it's a bit of a long shot, but I think it's I, one of them where if he was twenty seven, it's probably an easier decision. Like twenty seven, twenty eight, it's an easier decision to let him go for nothing. Yeah. Then because of his age, there is a chance that down the line he's worth a little bit. And let's not forget, we spent three quarters of a million quid on him, which is just uh, yeah. I think if we were in a better state, I think we'd probably be having a different conversation. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think, we, like I said, I think we probably will sign him um, just because we'll have to. I, I bet Exeter can't wait to see, like, our phone number pop up. On the <laughs> <laughs> One and a half for Stockley and Story. <laughs> yeah, we've been we've been out off there, haven't we? Let's be honest. I mean, what do we get back for Stockley? Is it about 250 grand, 400 grand, 300 grand, something like that? Something like that. You know, it's not... It's not great business, is it? Let's be honest. Well, that's an asset we can get rid of. I thought it was interesting yesterday. No Harrop, Bayliss not back in on the bench. 
I think Bayless even was, was still isolating toward the back end of last week. So if he's missed he? two weeks of training near enough, then he might be one that maybe comes in for Morecambe, get get a week's worth of uh, training under his belt. And But just on Bayless, I, again, I think we've said this in one of the first two episodes. Seen, obviously, I've seen the City game, seen the Bolton yeah, the Bolton game, the Wigan game and the Aki game in pre-season. And he's just... If he left tomorrow, I would not be bothered at all. The game just passed him by for so long in all of those games. I think he'll end up... I think he'll be one that will go out. Because we, we need to get rid of people. And I think Bayless, yeah. I think Bayless will go out on low. Um, and then, the, I mean, we've not really got any saleable assets left. So it probably will be all on loan. A lot of these players we get rid yeah. of. Especially the money that they're on. Yeah, I mean Harrop, you know Ipswich haven't come back <laughs> for him, so yeah, you know you, you've got to worry about where he's going to go. Well, um, I think we'll we'll get into that in a, in a bit more detail in in part two. I think unless you boys have got anything else to add, we can uh, we can wrap up part one there. Short one, short and sweet. Not really much to be positive about, unfortunately. But yeah, I think part two is going to get a little bit juicy. So yeah, we'll go and get brew in there and prepare myself. I'll see you in part two, boys. Welcome back to part two of the From the Finney podcast. We'll answer a few listener questions in this part. I've got a few different talking points as well. And yeah, we'll finish off by previewing potentially a relegation six-pointer on Tuesday night already. And well, potentially another one after that as well against Peterborough. So yeah, not very positive, but we move. Don't forget the red kit, Jake. That's the positive. Well, yeah, I would say can it play up front, but it played in all 11 positions <laughs> yesterday, didn't it? So... <laughs> And the answer's no. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so first question. Uh, in fact, I will caveat this and say I haven't properly had time to prepare for this. So while I've got the questions down, I didn't know who they were from. So if you are listening, they are from everyone on Twitter. Um, so if you are listening and this is your question, then I apologise for not giving you a shout out, but thanks for asking the question anyway. Yeah, so... This one is about signings in this window, sort of like where do you see the priority being in terms of what we need to move forward? Because like we touched on in part one, it's going to be difficult to move some players out given that presumably they're all on decent money. Well, everyone keeps going on about striker, don't they? Which I think, yes, we do need. Yeah, Adam, did you not know that a striker is going to be the answer to all our problems? Just like Zach and Alex Neal was. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's easy, isn't it? <laughs> um, yeah, a striker is needed. I do. I put up something on Twitter yesterday. I think I do think we need wingers. Like, I don't. I don't see this three-five-two. I mean, I don't even think we have the players for the three-five-two. I mean, I was looking at like Cunningham. I mean, has he got the athleticism at, at left wing back? Um, we've we've got a centre back playing there. Sep, I do like, but you know he's playing there at the minute. I think Mark just on Cunningham playing. as well. There's a massive question mark over can he stay fit. Over a full season, yeah, exactly. 
And then Earl, I mean, where's Earl? I mean, is he, what's going on with him? You think he'd be more attacking. So I think we do need wingers. And I think he, Frankie mentioned it in one of the pre-seasons that he was trying out a formation to see whether we'd need him or not. He, and, he didn't try out many different formations apart well, from in the Wigan game. I think apart from the Wigan game, he played pretty much 3-5-2 in all of them. Well, I think he was saying he's trying the diamond to see whether we'd need some wingers or not. And um, yeah, I, 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 I think what we need it to change a game. You know, you're going to have to bring on some sort of, you know, creativity, pace. I mean, Barky was missing yesterday, which I thought was quite funny because there was some rumours about why he was missing because he, he was isolating and people were saying it's because he's got a slap on the wrist after last weekend. After, but, you know, why, what, what was last weekend? Well, after he um, after oh his, after yeah. his post match press yeah. comments, yeah, yeah. Well, to be fair, that was to the club, so I think if the club were unhappy about it, they wouldn't have published it. Well, yeah, it's a good point, isn't it? Yeah. Again, um, social media rumours. The, the it's wild. Yeah, I did find it funny. Let's and not it, forget Wilfred Bonnie, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> he might come yet, Jake. <laughs> I think he's signing for a club in Australia, isn't he? Anyway, most prevalently, he's not here, so definitely not. But I think I think I think Nixon put up on something on Twitter today about the fact that we're searching everywhere for a striker, which it seems as though it's got last summer written all over it. When we think we went for every striker in the world, we had a look at. So it, it, on Frankie's that basis, probably looking behind the back of his sofa for one as <laughs> yeah. well. Well, I think they want Delap, don't they? Or they wanted Delap. And there's been an issue there around that. But there's about, what, four or five different clubs in for him? Presumably all of them better placed than us as well. But I suppose you don't know what our our relationship with City is like. The thing with Delap is, he looks like a very, very good prospect. But he's, what, 18, 19? And we're expecting him to come in and just fix everything. All our problems. It feels like when Lucas Nemecha came in. I was just going to say, let's not forget what our fans are like with Nemecha. And, you know, like we've all heard it before, players being advised to stay off social media because of things that were being said to them. Our, if any fan base, and I, there's, this isn't me grouping our fan base together, there are just sections of the fan base, small sections that could quite easily destroy an 18 or 19-year-old's confidence like that if he doesn't do well. It's because everybody got in their heads that he was going to do what Tommy Abraham did for Bristol City. And they were like, he's going to score so many goals, blah, blah, blah. But at that stage in his career, he wasn't a lone striker. He played, he, his best work for us was on the wing. And I just feel like if, if Dunlap comes in, like as good as he is, and say it starts off like Lucas did, and it takes him a few months to score a goal, then what? Like... I just think expecting one teenager to come and turn the whole club around is ridiculous. It was interesting yesterday listening to Hudson on the co-commentary. He made a real big point about us on set pieces. He made he kept going on about set pieces and um, and long throws. And I was thinking, is this what we've become? You know, is this is this it now? And we're not very good at them. So I don't, you know, <laughs> if that's our strategy, then. You know, we, we've got we've got a serious issue. Um, so, yeah, whether it is that, then yeah, maybe I don't know. Would the lap suit that? I don't think he's coming to to North End to get stuck in set pieces and long throws. You would imagine not, given that he's come through City's academy. Um, 
So wingers, centre forward, they're the obvious ones. Any anywhere else that you think we need to strengthen or lose some players? <laughs> Is it bad to just say everywhere? <laughs> no. I'd say, in fact, I'd caveat that and say everywhere, probably barring the goalkeeping department. Yeah. Got two. Obviously, Daniel Iverson's a great option, and, and Dex. Uh, uh, I like Dex, so I hate being like negative about him, but he's he's just a, a steady, he's a decent championship option. Yeah. Did, yeah, we need we need Ripley out, don't we? Yeah. Oh yeah, I forgot about him. Yeah, he can get out. Who's going to take him? He's, he's he's not. No one's going to take him. When we were tried before, no one yeah. can't get rid of him. I remember so when, when we signed him. Tony Pulis, I think, was Borough's manager, wasn't he, when we signed him? And I remember reading an interview with Tony Pulis after we'd signed him, and he said that Borough had included a buyback clause in the contract. I remember thinking, like, you must have some big hopes for for Connor Ripley if you've got a buyback clause, in, and, and it couldn't have gone any worse for him since he's been here. It's been a complete disaster on it. Yeah. All right. What is going on here? Jimmy's just uh, entered the waiting room, apparently. You just can't stay away, can't can't you, resist, mate? can you? <laughs> is this, are, you, are you joining us for part two? Are, are, you, on the, are you on the break, are you? No, we, we've just, we're, we're just answering the, the, the listener questions now. Uh, just got into it. I might chip in at some point, but yeah, we're all good. Yeah. Boys, obviously outside of everywhere in the in the side i think just in that little conversation we were, we were having with jim then he he made a good point there's no creativity is there you know i think <laughs> you 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 players that you'd look to for that are probably only really dj maybe ben whiteman as well yeah D, dj the only one that you can rely on for any sort of guile um i think other ollie made a good point about whiteman in midweek where they got him a little bit higher up the pitch and he was able to thread that ball in for Sinclair for the goal. Whereas a lot of the time we're playing him just a little bit too deep and that isn't really his game. You want him to be a little bit higher up the pitch, I think. The problem we had yesterday again is the same. Trying to get Brown and DJ in the same team. And I think that takes away a bit of creativity because DJ, he's not tricky in terms of that sense, in terms of creative player, which I think is probably why they've got well, they got Brown in. Um, well, is he Brown, I should say. Um, so he's not that type of player. So I think, and then Brown, that in that little bit deeper role, I mean, he was a bit questionable for the goal yesterday. He stumbled over. Um, so yeah, the midfield definitely needs some creativity. I'd agree with that. It's probably the one area, though, that we're quite top, well, not top heavy. We've just, we're just overloaded with midfielders, aren't we? But you, you break it down and there's, Probably only a handful, really, that you'd look at and go, yeah, I'd keep them. Well, we're in a weird position where I guess the best way I can describe it is that we have an abundance of midfielders, yet simultaneously have no midfield. Yeah. And I don't know how they've ended up in this position. I don't... It's absolutely bizarre. Yeah, it's very strange, isn't it? I mean, you look at our options, you've got Whiteman, Ledson, Brown, DJ, Potts, Bayless... Um, a lot of young Lewis Lee, Lee Adam O'Reilly, Baxter, Baxter. Yeah, if you lose, <clears throat> I mean, if you if you keep Whiteman, Ledson, Brown, and DJ, if you lose the rest, is anyone really going to be that bothered? Probably not. 
I think as well as what you remember is what we had before, you've listed those midfielders. We used to have Galley and Pearson, which were completely different to those players. Yeah. And we've lost that. And we've just got a load of players who are kind of similar in a way. Yeah. And and that's kind of, it's another issue. It's another area, but unfortunately, it's not the the main area we need to sort out and address. Probably be the last thing we'd look at. So. Mm the situation we're in at the minute. I think someone I would look to try and bring in, um, Ollie, I know you've covered a bit about him, uh, Regan Slater from Chef United. I think from what from what I've, the little that I've seen of him, but mainly from what I've been told about him and from what I've read about him, he seems like the most attainable replacement for Pearson that is out there. Uh, yeah, just had a very quick check and he wasn't in the Chef United squad last night. So... So no, he was at Hull, wasn't he? And they were linked, but they're oh. under an embargo at the minute. Aren't yeah. They? So yeah. So you'd think it would be the time if they were interested, then it might be the time to strike on that one. But yeah, I've no idea. Um. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's a tough one that one. To be honest, I think there's lots of work to be done everywhere, all around the squad. But yeah, it's just not not good. <laughs> I don't think everyone would have an issue if, because they've accepted that this is a transition. It's been a transition since January. I don't think everyone would have an issue with that if they could actually see some strategy or a yeah. plan. Yeah. And there just doesn't seem to be one. It just seems to be like, I mean, if you look at this summer, we've took a punt on Easy Brown. We've signed some players that we already had on loan. Um, all of Sunday, yeah, fair enough. But he seems to be just, you know, we've signed him because we're doing this 3 5 2. On a free, though. Yeah. You know, we, yeah. we said it however many minutes ago. Cheap, it's a cheap option again. You know, I've I've seen anywhere from seventy five k to two hundred k that we spent on Liam Lindsay, and we brought in Jamie what? Thomas as well. S- Jamie yeah, Thomas, Thomas yeah. Well, yeah, brought in what like six or seven players, and and if it is seventy five k, if it is two hundred k, that's a grand total spent. Well, yeah, we've got to think that's another midfielder we signed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think a, a saying of Jim's. That he's he's said over and over on the pod that is quite apt in this particular moment, and that is pay <laughs> peanuts. And what do you get? Yeah, buy shit, buy twice. I think <laughs> you've made some good points there, though, about the midfield options. There's just nothing, is there, in terms of like I, look, I looked at the side yesterday, and I, I know you played covered it in part one, but still, it just looked stale, like really basic in terms of like. I know Ben Whiteman's probably the freshest person into that eleven. I just thought there's nothing there, nothing that excites you, is there? You know, DJ's done all right, but there's nothing that's like gives you that bit of a buzz. And you're right in terms of the window. It's like we've not brought anything new into the club really that's made an impact. You know, I know Izzy Brown's coming in, unfortunately got injured. All of a sudden he's the same. You know, JT, it's a punt, isn't it? It's not like it's an experienced pro that we brought in. I just don't think we've brought in the quality that we need. And I think now we're in that situation where we need quality and we need experience to get us out of the hole that we're going to be in. Because I, I just I don't see us getting out of it. You know, we've got two massive games this week. Absolutely yeah. huge. And you take no points from those two games and it's unthinkable. It's yeah, absolutely it's, it's, unthinkable. It's a dangerous situation, isn't it? Very dangerous. I think second question then. I think it's quite quite a, a short and sweet one, but how many of this defence get into a top-end League One side? Not many. <laughs> That's being polite, I think, isn't it? 
Yeah. It's just one of those things where if, if if we put them all up for sale, how many championship offers would we get for the players that we own? Bauer, if he's if he's in form, maybe Bauer at a push. Obviously, right. this is this is outside of the loan players, but I can't, none of them. Cardiff. Consider that about our entire squad. Yeah, you put our entire squad up for sale. Who, which players go to a championship club? Probably Whiteman. Barkley, DJ, does Sinclair? I think I think he'd get a championship move. Yeah, just Brown lower months. Brownie, Alan Brown. Yeah, um, but I might. I look at it. I think. Do you think? Do you think Emil would get a championship move? As much as I like him, not sure. Tough yeah, to say, isn't it? I think, there's, I think there's players that has dropped down to League One. You know, look at Connor Chaplin, who's dropped down to Ipswich in League One. I, I think we've got. We need to be really realistic in terms of what our squad capability is and what where it's at. Because can it compete to stay in the championship? Well, we're soon going to find out. You know, people can talk about it's. You know, we're only a striker missing and all that bollocks because that's what it is. But we're not just a striker missing. We are a handful of players short here in terms of quality. So. I reckon the issue yeah. holding it up is the fact that we can't get anyone out. Oh, we are, we, we, we're really struggling because we obviously know players who want out, and they're not. There's not even been any rumours. Well, uh, at, at the at the press conference on Thursday, Andy Bayes asked Frankie about has he had conversations with those players that he sees having futures elsewhere, and Frankie said. He's not gone down to that much detail or words to that effect. It'll be on the BBC Lancashire in Radio Lancashire interview somewhere. But it was words to that effect of we've had conversations with them, but not to that sort of level of detail. And it's like, well, why not? They know exactly who they want out. They know exactly. Yeah, of course they do. That's what I mean. So why not have that level of detail in a conversation now and get them other agent looking? I think he's got to cover his backside though with that as well. You can't yeah, just go true, out and say true. that I've told X, Y, and Z that they can lead the club because then it just knocks our fees down. It knocks like what people are going to come in and say, oh yeah, we'll give you 1,500 quid a week for a player that's on 10 grand a week instead of two and a half grand. It, you know, he's got to cover his backside with that as well. In terms of defence, I worry about that. You know, HMS Lindsay and Story yesterday, <laughs> my God. I don't know where to start with it because... You, you know, when your best player in your back three is Andrew Hughes, who's a left back, filling at left centre half, you've got a problem. I can't believe you've just dropped that on the podcast. <laughs> I've just come on to drop bombs, that's all I've done. <laughs> <laughs> HMS Lindsay, for God's sake. Um, yeah, so I mean, the fact that we're clutching at straws already with who gets into a top end League One defence says a lot, doesn't it, really? It's like I said before, the fact that they have to have to play a three because none of them are good enough to play in a two just says just says it all really. It's not good but enough. Again, I think you know we've we've touched on the midfield. You look at the defence; we've got a lot of options there without really offering anything different. Got a well, lot of th- options, but none of them are at a required level to be a top six championship team. If we're brutally honest, if that's the aspirations of the football club, you know, they talk about premier membership and, and having premier ambitions, who in that back four or back five, whatever you want to call it, 
could get into a top six side. Maybe Sep, because you've got to remember the kid's 19, by far our best defender, and he's playing wing back. <laughs> so frustrating. He's a centre half playing wing back. Right? And bless him, he's head and shoulders in terms of ability and commitment and desire above what we've currently got. It's frightening. That that frightens me. There's a kid on loan from Liverpool that's showing us up. What are we doing? Yeah, it's not good, is it? So, well, that leads me nicely on to my next question, which is with the current owner, the management team, the squad, the budget, etc., 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 where do we go from here as a club? How do we move forward? I was going to say, where do we go? The answer is week one. <laughs> In terms of an answer... They, they had, it felt like there was a plan in sort of the Grayson era and it just seems I don't know what the plan is anymore because we managed to supplement sort of quality experienced players with like Garner, Gallagher, Beckford, Tom Clark, Hunts and they managed to supplement it by going into sort of they raided like Villa for DJ and Robinson and United for Piero and they were sort of getting in the younger players to work with the experience. So you had a mixture of quality and then potential resale value. And now I just have no idea what they're trying to do. Like, I think... They're not going to make profit on anyone in that squad? No. I think with hindsight as well, you've got to look back at that. Like you said, Ollie, there seemed to be a semblance of a plan under Grayson. I think you've got to look back at that and go, how much of that was down to Simon? and his staff that because it I know it's probably not this way but it feels as though since he's left everything from the transfer point of view and, and whatnot has just steadily declined Re- recruitment has dropped off a cliff yeah like they haven't, added, they haven't added quality or resale value they just keep adding these middling players who aren't getting us anywhere I said it a long time ago that they keep they kept going into this phase of signing players who were sort of 26, 25, that were playing in League One. Rafferty, Ripley, Stockley was in League Two. And it's it was just like they're not going to improve us now and they're not going to make us money in the future. So why? For a club like us, what are we doing? It hasn't made sense for a long time for me. The other issue you've got now with those players that did get purchased from League One and League Two, you know, over the past sort of three, four years, is they're now out of contract this summer. You're not going to get a penny for them, let's be honest. Who pays money for Joe Rafferty, Conor Ripley? Those sort of players, it just doesn't happen. And I think, you know, we've got Brad Potts we paid a million and a half pound for out of contract. Waste of money. Just like 750 grand for story, going out of contract in the summer. Like, it frustrates me that we've spent money in the wrong areas. It feels that we've made... <laughs> some sort of educated gamble it feels on these players that just aren't right they weren't right at the time you think you know story had a bit of potential he was like what 20 years old when he came but he stalled you know he, and I like Jordan story back in the last season I think a lot of people realised that but I slated him at first half of the season I think he made cost us seven goals in his first eight games of last season you know it's happening again like what are they doing what are they doing at Exton what, who's coaching him to Cut out these mistakes and get them to switch on. It's like it's really frustrating. But in terms of strategy, I don't know if what is our strategy at the minute because is it bring players in and up for the best? Doesn't that's seem how it, to be, that's how it seems. 
it just feels really aimless. It just like we might get a player, we, we might get a loan in. Clive, taking what? How, how many loans did we have under Alex Neil? Was it four loans before January? Uh, and then got seven in one window. Mavadidi, Barker, Nemecha, Andre Green. So yeah, four. Four in what three and a half years? And then we get <clears> seven <throat> in one window. Mike, come on, boys. You know it's not. And then what have we got this year? We've got Seppin, Dan Iverson so far. So we yeah. have got room for three more. Oh. You know, we've gone from bringing in no one on loan where we needed quality in those sort of windows that where we needed to top up the squad to push us onto that next level. Because we were close. Because we, we were there, we were there about, you know, 6th, 7th, 8th, whatever you want to be. You're going into the January window thinking, all right, yeah, got a chance here. To then bring in a load for no reason, if we're honest. Um, it felt, I'll tell you what it felt like to me, Jim. It felt like... Some certain sections of the fan base were criticising the club for not utilising the loan market and the club have gone, right, we'll go out and sign some players on loan. It just seems to me as though it's coincided with the fact that we were struggling and we had to we were losing players, we had players out of contract. I don't think it is that, Jake. I think it's just that we've 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 had no alternative but to just get loan players in because the January transfer window is difficult and then there's yeah. COVID and we're trying to save a bit of money, obviously. And I think it's just that. No, yeah, Adam, I do think you're right. That was just, yeah, yeah. and that's how it felt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a couple of interesting articles out there this week about the transfer market and how it's just literally there's a black hole. There. You know, for teams that used to sell a player for a million, two million pound every summer, it's just not happening. You know, you look at the market around the championship and there's not a great deal of money getting thrown about, but mm. a lot of teams have already made their transfers. You know, I know people will probably think I'll oh, loot it again, but look at their transfers this summer. Yeah. Like, they've got a plan. You know, they've got a lot of players in that the majority of them have got a resale value. And, you know, they've got, the coach. Coach they've got a great coach in terms of Nathan Jones, but they've got a plan. You know, they're bringing in quality, hopefully get a couple of sell-ons, you know. and But you look at the things that they've done off the pitch as well, Jim. Yeah, but where did they finish last season? 10th, 11th? Finished above us, didn't they? Last season, I think. Yeah, um, I think no, I think they did. Yeah, yeah. So they've then improved the squad. They've lost the lad who went to Cardiff, the lad up from named can't think of him. James Collins. James Collins scored an actually against us. Um, lost him, but then brought they've brought in quality to replace it. It's like that's the thing that we've missed. We've people can't say that losing Ben Pearson, Ben Davis, Darnell Fisher. Paul Gallagher. Paul Gallagher. Uh, losing that type of quality of player. And, you know, we replaced Pearson and Galley with Whiteman. You know, Ledson stepped up, but the jury's now back out because he had a good end to last season, but then has not really hit the heights this year so far, if we're honest. <sighs> you know, we can't, you know, we can't, you can't replace Ben Davis. You just can't. You can't replace a Rolls Royce centre half with, you know, what is in essence is a big boat and you know you should have got Rob Atkinson that went to Bristol City yeah, you know yeah. a left sided centre half that can play football not a f- but yeah. with that as well someone that was relatively young yeah, and a resale value resale value yeah fucking obvious what to do alright I know I said I wouldn't swear a couple of weeks ago on it but it's so obvious what, was, what we should have done and we've just decided not to, to completely go against the grain on it 
Um, There's rumours who wanted Dicky, weren't there as well a few years ago? Look yeah, at him now, he's flying. PPR, yeah, he's really good now. But you look at talent. You look at, I suppose, hotbed academies like Oxford that bring players in, or you know, bring players in at 18 when they've been released by other academies or developing themselves. You know, they don't tend to get it wrong. Mm. You know, they've, they've got they've got a plan, they've got a system. You know, I quite mm. like Carl Robinson. I know he's Marmite, but I quite like him. And he develops them and gets them onto the next level. It's like they beat Ipswich yesterday, didn't they? From what I don't I know. I'm not. I'm not looked. Not sure. They have had some good players coming through, through there. Whether it's their own or that they have brought in, like Brannigan is another yeah. one that they, that they plucked from Liverpool, didn't they? When he wasn't really getting a look in, and now they'll make a boatload of profit on him. I would imagine they sold us Ledson. They had Kemar Roof. They've had they've had all sorts of players there. Who's the one who went to Rovers? Rothwell, um, is it? Oh, Rothwell. Rothwell, yeah. So you've got players there that they've clearly got a plan and they're, they're developing the right players to to push their club forward. As we're just, I don't know, it just feels aimless like. And I know just, we've given it just feels scattergun, contract. doesn't it? Yeah, but we're giving the kids the contracts, like. And I, I always, and this is going to sound horrendous, but I always have a bit of a concern when you're giving a kid at sixteen a three-year professional contract. That feels like we're just covering our ass in case of another Terry Stolen situation because I just feel very nervy about putting all this pressure on a kid I know he's a Preston lad Lewis Lee and I'm chuffed to bits he's got a deal here but three year contract being really vocal about it on the contrary though for for the young lad it it could help him settle more knowing that he's got three years to to work on his, his career Absolutely, but there's pressure on him straight away. He's got a number 17 shirt. He's got like a first-team shirt straight away without even making a professional appearance. I mean, a, a fair play to the kid, like, in terms of if he, if he breaks through, but the amount of pressure that he must be under now in terms of, like, especially in a struggling team like we've got. Same with Rodwell Grant, you know, Josh Sheary, <coughs> kids at Noah Moeni, kids that have been given these pro deals. When they were a kid, they were they're not 18, they're a child. You know, it's like you're putting all your eggs in, hoping that they're going to break through and they're going to hit the mark and we're going to have a resale value on them. But not one of them has made a professional appearance, apart from Rodwell Grant, who played eight minutes in in the cup on Tuesday night. Yeah. I just, I feel, honestly, it's great they're coming through, but if we're putting all our eggs in that basket in terms of we're hoping that one of them hits hits the mark and is going to be our next Ben Davis, then... My God, that's such pressure on a, on a young player. But look at Ben's time here. It took him the best part of, what, five, six years in the first-team squad to get to the position that he was in. So it's not going to be an overnight thing. Arguably, it won't even be a thing that happens in the length of these contracts that we've given out. When did Ben, when did ben come back from um, York? Was he 20 or 21? I think he was like oh, 17 for the York, well, 17, 18 for his first one. It was like... The Sheffield United uh, game. Yeah, when he was, he was rabbit in the Oh, when he came game. back, yeah, yeah. When um, Campbell, Rice, Campbell, Campbell Rice did him, yeah. So, you know, I think when he actually went out on loan, I think it was York in the end, or when he when he won, did he win the playoff for York? And that's when he came back and looked the part. I think, yeah, yeah. They, they got to the playoffs. I, think I don't got, think, I think they won it, because Will Hayhurst was there at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was Fleet. He was Fleetwood when he when he came back. Yeah, and he was and he'd done well. 
this is why this is why I'm not at recording a podcast when I've not got my laptop in front of me to do a bit of research while we're recording. I'm sat in a car. I uh, <laughs> I guess the fear when you say about the pressure on the young lads like in a struggling team is you look back at Adam Barton. Yeah. He came in and looked pretty good, but then he was in that dreadful team that got relegated. And his confidence just seemed to absolutely nosedive and never really fulfilled the potential that it looked like he would have. And it's that fear in it that I'm I'm delighted that this young lad's getting deals and it looks like they're planning for the future and stuff. But I know what you mean, that there is that there is that fear of them coming into what is already looking like a team in trouble. Yeah. If you look at all the kids that broke through on the I think we're on the field round. Right? You have Jamie Douglas, Doyle Middleton, um, George Miller, Connor Max and uh, Jamie Pratt were probably the two exceptions to the rule, really, and Bales. They're the ones that made it. You know, Connor Max got plenty of caps from Northern Ireland. Bales, the same for ours. Jamie Pratt has had a decent career in sort of League One, Lower League League, two yeah. level, League One, League Two level. But you look at the other lads who broke through. You know, Brandon Zabaka, yeah. um, Jamie, du- Jamie Douglas, George Miller. Um, who else could do Middleton? They just they played in the first team, but then went nowhere. They were never, they were never the right level. They, you know, they were never that standard where you thought, you know what, you you could have a massive career ahead of you. You just thought, we're talking kids in here. There was uh, Luke Clark as well in midfield yeah, cool. that Brown seemed to love for about three weeks, and then that was that. He turned yeah. down a professional deal, didn't he? I think. I think he got offered it. And then we ended up at Accrington or something and then just dropped off a dropped off a cliff. I actually quite I thought George Miller was alright, to be fair. I didn't didn't think he looked that bad. He's he's a spitting image of me, which I feel absolutely gutted for him on. <laughs> was he? Wasn't he ginger? No. George Miller looks exactly like me. Oh he so was... so that somebody at the club at the time literally put a picture of me next to him and said, Is this your brother? From what I got told, which is like, I feel sorry for him. I'm sure he was ginger. No, George Miller was definitely not ginger. But it's like the lads in the academy now, you know. Obviously, who's the kid who's done his ACL? I can't think of his name. Aaron, Aaron Bennett. Aaron Bennett. That's him. It's like he's a second year now. Everyone's got high hopes for him, but he's not going to play until after January. Big injury. I batted yesterday off Salford. Mm. So, yeah. So this this next one is from another listener, and they've asked why have the standards at the club fallen so much since Alex Neil left? We look unfit, unorganised, and the players don't seem like they care about the results on the pitch. How much longer do you give it? Any, <laughs> anyone want to step up to the hockey, as they say? I just got a feeling this won't go down well, but if we if we lose the next two. I'd I'd be tempted already, and I feel I feel bad for that because. Oh, definitely. There's, nothing, no, there's no question. I've nothing against Frankie as a person or anything like that, but it's we looked at the fixture list saying that the the first few games were a chance to get points on the board, and if you come out the first four with none, it's a problem, isn't it? It's a big, big, big problem, and I never I never want to see anyone lose the job, but. At the end of the day, this this is the industry in it where only results are going to save you. And 
it's already looking like we are in big trouble. So if you if you lose to Huddersfield and Peterborough as well, I think is is Peterborough the last one for the international break, or is there another one after Swansea. that? Okay. Morecambe and then Swansea, and then it's the internationals. Right. I th- I think if you're going into the international break, let's say they've got no points, one point. I think you've got a big decision to make. I think comments the question. I think you've got a lot of. There's a bit of inexperience in there. You've got Galley, you've got um, Frankie, who have both been in that, you know, I'm a friend of yours vibe, you know, from being a player and then a coach. And what was needed after Neil left was to relax things a little bit. But then at what point do you then have to be a stricter? And, you know, and this is me, this is complete guesswork. This I don't know what's going on at the training ground, but at which point do you then have to implement stricter rules? And, and how well does that go down? with the players mm. so it's probably got to a point where I don't know it might have been a little bit it might be a bit unprofessional I've seen I've seen a few people mention on social media in various places that quite often the players refer to Frankie as Frankie whereas with Alex it was Gaffer it was the boss it was the manager or head coach whatever and like you say Adam it, it maybe maybe unprofessional is a bit harsh but it feels a bit too pally pally you know, my under-16s call me Jake, but the, the kids, they're not in a professional environment. I remember someone put on Twitter, I think it might have been last night, about John pa- John Parkin mentioned something about he wanted somebody to get the job once when they were like in temporary charge, caretaker. And then as soon as this person got the job, like standards fell off a cliff because everyone is sort of, you know, he, he wanted the lads, if that makes sense. You know, yeah. he's just somebody, you know, that let them have their hair down and they'll push the boundaries as far as they can with with a coach like that. And I just think if standards drop, you know, whether it's in training, whether it's on and off the pitch, I just think, you know, it's that's, so hard for that same person to try and get them back up, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. It's just, it's a downward spiral at that point. Mm-hmm. And because you've got play, people around the club that have been there a long time, you know, Tomo, Galley's obviously been there as a player now, sort of doing his apprenticeship, really, as a first-team coach, isn't he, really? You know, I will, he... I will caveat all this, by the way, and say that we obviously we don't know anything. This is just what we've read and what we've seen online. Yeah, and... of course. I just think, like, if standards drop, you know, because Alex Neal, everyone knew about Alex Neal's in terms of his way of working, you know, because his, I suppose, intensity was so high, you know, in terms of standards, and he was throwing every single thing he did. I just think if you drop off that sort of level and it starts dropping and dropping and dropping and then it's just like it goes to a, a sort of an average level, then <laughs> we pushed above our weight so for so long as a football club, you know, so under under Simon and uh, under Alex Neal. You know, if you don't hit those sort of that that level of intensity and discipline and respect for each other, as well as the standards on and off the, the not just the first team pitch, but like at Exton, you know. You've got to hit that standard, otherwise this sort this league table isn't gonna lie after ten, twelve games. If we're at the bottom of that table after ten, twelve games, we're in standards. You can't tell me that standards haven't dropped. Mm. You know, because I don't for one second think we would have been bottom of the league under Alex, under Alex Neal. Like hell. You know, he'd have fought tooth and nail to make sure we weren't, you know, he'd he might overanalyze everything and go into it and far too much detail to certain, for certain players but my god we would never have been bottom of the league 
I think just on that as well, it's it's down to things like the simple side of football. I know, don't get me wrong, this is not me saying that had Alex stayed that we wouldn't have been in trouble or whatever, that things would have got better or that we'd be better for having Alex in now instead of Frankie. I'm not saying any of that. But what Alex Neil guaranteed you was that the side did the basics and they did them properly, out of possession. They were organised, they were in shape in possession, they had patterns of play, they were organised, and while it might not have been perfect, at times it was far from perfect, you could guarantee that those basics were being done most of the time. Yeah, you've got to hit standards. Uh, I hate... That doesn't it really? Say that again, Jim. It goes for every level of football, though. Yeah. You know, a Sunday league team, if you have players turning up late, or turning up like just with a not asked attitude, you, you pull them to start with. You have that conversation with them, and if they keep doing it and keep pushing the lines, then they're out on the door. You know, it's it doesn't matter what level of football it is. If you don't have standards and you don't have that mark that you, people have got to meet every day in terms of effort and commitment, and what's the point? Because everything interlinks. You know, and it doesn't matter what level of football it is, whether it's you know, under sevens, grassroots, or, you know, the top of the Premier League, you don't have standards. What's the point? You know, you're going to get found out very quickly. Yeah. Hate to praise Blackpool, but I do think Jimmy made a good point last week with saying about how they brought in Stuart McCall to help Critchley, where it's one of those things where he is still a sort of rookie manager in the same way that Frankie is. And maybe just a different experienced voice on the training ground because Tomo has been there a long time now. Maybe just somebody, another experienced head like McCall. I know it wasn't very long, but he's managed Rangers. You think of the expectation there, like having that sort of voice next to Critchley probably helps him a lot. And with us, the coaching team is Frankie, who has never been a manager and by his own admission, never wanted to be one. You've got Galley who's stepped up from, coaching under 16 so now he's first team coach Tomo has been there a while I don't know it just all seems a little bit muddled and comfortable in the same in the same vein I don't know how but that runs through the club though doesn't it really to be honest muddled comfortable no risk safe and, it, and it's a problem uh, you know Jim you and I have said it countless times on this pod if you stand still in football, you may as well move backwards. Well, you are moving backwards because you're being overtaken by countless other clubs. Yeah, it's um, it's not good. And I just think, uh, you know, and it ain't all Frankie's fault either. You know, I've got to caveat all what we've said, but this isn't all Frankie's fault. It's from the top right down to the playing squad. You know, it's not... Collective responsibility. Doesn't matter who your job is at the football club, you, you know... Everybody needs to pull together to focus on that. What happens on the pitch matters. You know, whether it's, you know, bringing in the money commercially to make sure that we can keep paying the wages of the players and and not rely as much on the owner, whether it's trying to flog as many tickets as we can to get more people through the gate to actually provide more funds for the club, whether it's, you know, the kit guys to make sure that all the players are looked after so they can perform the best of their abilities on a match day. It doesn't matter who it is, you know, because... Everybody needs to pull together to get us out of the situation. And the players and the coaching staff also need to take their part of responsibility in that, um, as well as the other guys higher up in terms of the owner, Peter, 
whoever else, Craig, it's everyone's got to take their responsibility in this because, you know, I know we're only two games in and probably think people are going to think I'm wet my knickers about where we are in the league. But my God, people, we've got to have seen this coming because if we didn't see, see this coming in terms of results and performances, then <laughs> what else can I say? It was so obvious it was going to happen, especially after the pre-season we just had. I think I what's interesting is is that off the pitch, apathy's slowly being replaced by anger, I think, because I think there's a lot of, there was a few rumours yesterday of what was going on, chants and stuff like that. And like Ollie says, if we lose these next two games, you know, God knows, God knows what it's going to be like because, you know, it's, it's pretty, yesterday wasn't great on social media and then suddenly it's in the stand because, you know, we've not been here for, you know, over 18 months and um, and we start like this, people are not going to be happy. I think what I will say as well is that people might listen to this and say that we're part of the problem or whatever for for not being outwardly critical of certain individuals at the club. But I think what we've always done on From the Finney is try to look at things with a level head. And while it's not great, and obviously we've been quite critical in this episode of various different things, I do like to think that we're still trying to keep a level head for the time being. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, you know, I've been called part of the problem this week, which I, I actually laughed at because I'm like, I'm not part of the problem. You know, at <laughs> yeah, the end same. of the day, every everyone's got to take their responsibility in it. You know, I'm not going to say it's just Peter's fault because I don't believe it. it's just Peter's fault. Yeah, of course. You know, it's collective responsibility. He's got to take part of the blame, but is it all on him? No, I don't believe it is. I'm not going to say, you know, ask for his head on the plate because what's the point? You know, I don't think he's he's not going to resign. He's not going to quit because got a directorship at the club and he's also part of the EFL now you know so you've got to be a director at a club to have this role at the EFL he got voted in with what 21 out of 24 votes available yeah so it was overwhelming wasn't it? in that position yeah so he's wanted in that position so yeah he's not going anywhere you know we need to sort of get our heads around that and I think the quicker we do that the quicker we accept that Peter's not going anywhere and the owner wants him to remain there quite clearly you know, we can, people can organise protests and all that sort of jazz. I don't think it'll make one bit of difference because the owner's in the Isle of Man. Mm. You know, so what's what's going to change? But on, on, on the contrary to that, say, obviously, hypothetically speaking, Peter does leave, what changes? What changes in, in the situation we're in at the minute? Nothing. You know, because Jim, no, you not... and I have been supporting North M for 20, 25 years. Ollie and Adam, you're probably the same. We, we've been here how many times? And it's it's the same thing over and over again. Well, I said to someone yesterday on Twitter, because they said they were questioning what would change. And it's got to the point with me where the current situation is just boring. It, yeah. it, it's just got boring. Like, we've got no hope of going up. And we've, you know... Let's face it, our best hope this season is to stay up or get mid-table. And that's always going to be the case. Because, like, you know, unless there's something drastic that changes. So I think for a lot of people, it is just the fact that, right, well, you know, it was Neil before that they vented their anger at. Now it's, you know, Peter and, and the board or whatever. I think we've just got to a position now where everyone's just a little bit, a little bit sick of it. Yeah. yeah. I think some people accept it, though, because I got a bit of, like, I had people at me on... Friday, because I'd said, like, watching Brentford open the Premier League season against Arsenal, I was like, there's 
that feasibly could have been us at one point or another. And people were like, well, we've never been near Brentford. I was like, well, we have been because we finished above them in 2018. It's just that they've gone over the hill and far away from us now. And now we're seeing like Luton and Barnsley because they've got plans. They're, they're ahead of us as well now. And they're not massively bigger clubs. You can make a case that we're arguably bigger than both of them. Mm. But they are, we have no plan. And I don't think the reaction to this start to the season would be quite as angry as it's been if there was a plan and people could see what was what the idea was. And it was like, okay, we've lost two games, but at least we're doing this, this, and this. And we can see that in time, the results will come. But there just doesn't seem to be one. So people just assume that we're just sleepwalking towards the bottom three. And I don't think you can blame people for that. Mm. The other thing is about the Brentford story. And don't worry, it's an amazing story. And when they went up, I was absolutely gutted in a way because I thought that could have been us. 2017-18 season, we spent more on wages than they did. And they're running a B-team model as well. So for a club of their size to spend more on... We spent more on wages, our little club, than Brentford, who are now in the Premier League. Something's gone wrong there. I mean, in the last set of accounts, they spent £25 million, we spent £20 million on wages. They're running two teams. We're running one. But we're running a team that's just littered with mediocre players. They've got a bunch of 19, 20, 21-year-olds in their B team that they're developing and they've pushed through. You know, and the fact that they've sold players for ridiculous fees as well. You know, Ben Rama, 20 million, Watkins, 24 million. You can go back to Scott Hogan. You can go back to oh, the other lad up front. Neil Mopay. Neil Mopay. You know, he, I think they've sold Ethan Pinnett. They sold so um, like, Stuart Tar- Dallas. Tarkovsky. Yeah, very uh, grey, Jota. There's been so many, you know, and that's a plan. You know, they're, yeah. they're happy to sell their best player if they don't go up, we'll sell them, we'll bring in someone else. It's you know, not, it's not, it's plan? not just a continued fluke, is it? It's, it's, it's everyone buying a into a strategy and a plan and sticking with it. They, they reinvest yeah. when they sell, they don't just sell Ben Davis to the champions of England. And sign Liam Lindsay, who hadn't kicked the ball for Stoke for a year to replace him. Well, last last question from the listener questions, then, fellas. Um, even at such an early stage in the season, is Tuesday night's game against Huddersfield already a relegation six pointer? I mean, it's two. Let's be honest, it's two poor sides. I think if you ask for a game oh, to play next, <laughs> yeah, you probably you probably pick this one. Have you seen the goals from the Fulham game yesterday? Yeah, <laughs> or one of them. That first one, my God. Unbelievable, we, isn't it? Yeah, if if we lose this on Tuesday night, I'll really start smashing the panic button. <laughs> Not just pressing it. No, I'm pressing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's I think I think we're probably all in agreement here that it, it is. It's a massive game at such an early point in the season because looking at the way Huddersfield have started as well, you'd expect them to be down there. Yeah. I mean, in fairness, signing Jordan Rhodes like they did, it, it's the kind of signing that I wouldn't pass, have put past us making, to be there's fair. A few, there's a few of those signings they've made, though, where I've looked at them and thought, if Preston did that, I don't think I'd be happy. Because they got Tom Lees, Ollie Turton from Blackpool, Matty Pearson from Luton. Sort of, I wouldn't be happy with that recruitment at North End. So, Well, Pearson was one we were linked with, wasn't he? Yeah, I don't think it had much, much in it, but... 
his name was sort of thrown out there. Well, on that note, I suppose we should probably preview the Huddersfield game. Um, Jimmy, you sticking with us for this, or <laughs> I best wake my child up because otherwise I was I'm say. going to trouble later. You, but, um, gonna, I'm going on go Tuesday. Back. I think I think I'm going on Tuesday. Oh, hello. Um, yeah, I think I'm going to go on Tuesday, but it's going to be late call, but I'm dreading it uh, because it's such a big game so early in the season. It would be sods low of us to get an, a smash and grab 1-0 win against the run of play. I'd absolutely love it, but it does it does papers over the cracks. It's like Tuesday night. I was, I, obviously, I wasn't, on the, I wasn't on the pod when you talked about the Mansfield game, but that first 44 minutes was absolutely diabolical, and it's only a moment of magic from Scott Sinclair that got us out of that situation the first half because yeah, I was, if I was, if Manfield had a striker we'd have been 2-0 down at half time and we'd have been out see you later because our conf- and our confidence only came back in that second half when the, their keeper fluffed his goal kick and then Emil's put the ball in that you know and at that point you know we, we bossed the game but that can't happen on Tuesday night I think that's happen. the big thing for me obviously don't get me wrong a win would be great on Tuesday but it, all it does is just put a plaster over a very big problem. Yeah, yeah. We need to. We we need players. That's that's the big thing. We need quality in the squad because at this moment in time, this team just doesn't feel good enough to stay up in the league at the minute. No. And that's the first time I've probably said those exact words. But like looking at bits of games from over the weekend, you know, Peter we're getting hundredth minute winner against Derby. You know, in another six pointer really because Derby going to be down there as well. Peter going to be the same. You know, for them to score two goals in injury time, you know, it shows a little bit of a character as well. You know, Dan McCantony will be absolutely doing cartwheels around the place for, for a smash and grab win like that. I just think there's five or six teams that can be in the dogfight that come at the end of the season, and us and Huddersfield are probably going to be two of them. So we need to win the game. I don't care how we do it. Don't care if Emil Reed treats him, trips himself up in the box in the 97th minute and we smash the penalty in through DJ. I'd take that 1-0 smash and grab all day long at this moment in time because at the minute I don't know how else we're going to score yeah well they they've played a 3-5-2 in the two games we've played obviously we're playing a 3-5-2 I think it's it's looking likely that we'll match them up but would you would you be surprised to see Frankie revert to a back four it's more a chance of snow <laughs> to be fair mate with this weather over the last few weeks I wouldn't put that I wouldn't be surprised at that at this moment in time I'd like to see us have a go. I'd like to see us definitely have a go. Um, well, get out of off the back of conceding five, they're there to be got out, aren't they? Well, Fulham had ten men as well, didn't they? Yeah, they did. Harry Wilson got sent off, didn't he? And as well, Huddersfield, their game has been... Their game before was Derby. So, you know, it's not... Drew 1-1. Um, they got a point, but it's not... You know, it's nothing to write home about, is it? So we've, no, got, to be, really. we've got to be getting at them, really. Yeah, absolutely. Prediction then for that one? Pain. One one nil North End smash and grab. <laughs> what one. did you say, Al? I said my prediction is pain. <laughs> Adam, one one I think. Um, I'll, I'll go with Jim. I'll take a, a one nil smash and grab. Get in, get out. Get that plaster on ASAP. And um, we just need points. Just just get in, get out. Get a point. Get a point or three as many as we can, and then just move on to Saturday. Yeah. And on obviously on Saturday, um, I'm going. Oh, are you off, Jim? Right, off. cheers, mate. Until next week. Bye. See you later. Bye, mate. Yeah, that was going to require some editing. <laughs> I know, yeah. <laughs>
I'm just glad we got started early, so I'm not going to be starting my editing at bloody nine o'clock at night. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Peterborough, uh, obviously our return to Deepdale, second home game of the season. Uh, they've a side that play a variation of a 3-5-2. It's a bit more of a 3-4-1-2. I think Joel Randall, who, again, another player we were linked with, is the one that's played in that sort of 10 role behind the two strikers. Um, but they also, they their first game of the season, they played a 4-4-2 against Luton and got pumped 3-0. So, who knows how it could go on Saturday. They lost 4-0 as well in the Cup to Plymouth. Oh, yeah, of course they did. And they nearly they scraped a, a win at the weekend. So, it's another one. I think you'd probably say, if you put Derby in it as well, these are probably two games you'd think we need to play and we need to be getting points out of. Yeah. Um, Fergie Jr., Struggles in the championship. Um, First time back at Deepdale in, what, seven years, will it be? Six or seven years? Have we played him again since he left? I can't can't remember how we've gone. I'm sure we will have done when he was in charge at Posh. Because they got relegated with record points, didn't they? Any Any other championship season in history, I think, that points tally that they got the season they went down when they were last up would have kept them up in like, Every, literally every other championship season. Yeah, well, it looks as though defensively they started as uh, as they used to defend for us in the championship. So yeah. <laughs> it's another one. It's Garton. Although up front, they've got some dangerous players up front, haven't they? So yeah, Johnson, Clark, Harris, and uh, Dembele and Sammy Smarts as, as well. Yeah. Uh, last last time we played a Fergie team was December twenty fourteen. Beckford scored a winner at Peterborough, 1-0 win. Seven years then, yeah. And nearly seven years. Well, I'd take anything again against them. Um, you know, it's probably one of them that these next two games aren't going to be pretty, I would imagine. Um, but at the minute, we need points and we need them fast. Because like you said, Ollie, if we're going into that um, Swansea game, and we've no points on the board, or maybe one. That's a problem. Yeah. A big, big problem. Um, what are your predictions then for the Peterborough game, boys? 2-1. North End win. Yeah, I'll, I'll foolishly back us to win. I will say that it'll be a less than 10,000 crowd, and we'll draw 2-2. Yeah, it'll be a weird atmosphere, I think. Hmm. Really odd one because they won't bring many, will they? Nah, it's a bit of a trek, isn't it, Peterborough? Um, and it's you know, looking at social media last night, it's got the potential to be quite a hostile place depending on how Tuesday night goes. So, yeah, be an interesting one. So, after such a if a pod is so negative, we're ended up with either six or four points at the end of this week. It's fine, isn't <laughs> yeah. it? There's no problems at all. <laughs> where's, the, where's the issues? What yeah, issues? yeah. Yeah, nothing. Um, yeah, cheers, boys. I think unless you two have got anything else you want to add, then uh, we can we can wrap up the episode there. No, all good. Brilliant. No, all good, mate. Cheers for joining me, fellas. Much appreciated. Do you want to give yourselves a, a little social media shout-out? Sure. Uh, you can find all my Preston-based articles at Deepdale Digest on Twitter, uh, and you can send me any snarky remarks you may have about what I say about North End. Adam? Uh, yeah, I'm just uh, at 
brownie underscore underscore underscore. Three underscores. I assume brownie is quite a popular handle. <laughs> it is, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Cheers, boys, and thank you, listener, for listening to episode three of the From the Finney podcast. Yeah, if things don't improve and, and sharpish, it's going to be a very long season. Uh, as I said at the start as well, you can support From The Finney. Just head over to supported.acast.com forward slash From The Finney. If you aren't already, go and give us a follow on Twitter. We're just at From The Finney. And again, as I said at the start, and Jim will be pleased I'm saying this for a second time in an episode, if you're listening on an Apple device, if I can get my words out, let me try that again. If you're listening on an Apple device, I'd appreciate it if you could leave us a review as well. So yeah, thank you, fellas. Much appreciated. <laughs> <laughs>